God, they get in a dry season, there's an absence of joy in their life. They begin to ask, as we talked about last week, why, God, is this happening? Why is my life unraveling? They don't have an understanding or wisdom or maturity. And then what you see tragically with many people, they turn away from the church. They get a church hurt. They jump from church to church to church to church. You name it. And this, this maturity and this growth and this renewal, renewal never gets deep within them and sets, um, sets them up for a successful or for a journey, a path of faith, a path of trusting God. And so this morning, we need to see beyond, I pray, and being again a local church pastor, you, you, you just deal with people. So you see people, you win their soul, but then their humanity comes into play and you help them get set free because again, there's no greater tragedy to be delivered from hell, but that person still live in hell on earth. God wants to get into the hell on earth destroying hell, destroying the works of the devil that are want to manifest and rob the joy, rob peace, keep you in confusion. Those are the works that Jesus wants to destroy of the devil. And so when we understand the gospel, and this is all gonna make sense here in a little bit, but how really this formula, this pattern, this cycle of what God calls us in to unleash the gospel. Look at what Matthew 9.35 says. This is Jesus talking. He says this. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages. It says, teaching in their synagogues, he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. But he just didn't proclaim it. There was a demonstration of the gospel. And as spirit-filled believers, we understand this. We know this. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. You see, brokenness here is, can be even subpoints is its disease and its sickness that we established in our uh, Easter Sunday service on beauty will save the world. That salvation necessarily doesn't take place in a courtroom. It's a part of it, but really to, to heal our entire soul, to heal our whole person, it takes place more in the context of a hospital. That you can't beat or judge the disease out of somebody but there has to be a healing, a mending, a collision with Christ that takes place to heal that, with, that which is so deep and broken and, and marred and messed up within us. And so I shared with you last week that we were gonna look at Philippians and we're looking at the life of Paul. We're looking of that through his change we should be encouraged in Philippians 1. That Paul, in Philippians, as he was sharing the gospel with the church in Philippi, that he was imprisoned, that he was in shackles, that he was chained, and he said this powerful statement to the church in Philippi, encouraging the other Christians, that they should be courageous and fearless because of his change, that he is enduring, he is persevering. How many of you know we have to persevere? We have to be a church, a people, a body that perseveres that doesn't give up when a circumstance comes. Paul is his theme in Philippians and really his life, his life song is rejoice in the Lord always. That no matter the circumstance, no matter the trial, we're not led by hap happiness, which means happenstance. Happiness says if it's sunny and warm today, I'm happy. But if it's, if it's cold and if it's dreary, I'm sad. That us as Christians, we're not feelings-based, we are not emotion-led, we are led by joy. Acts chapter five, we read last week that there is an impartation of joy and an impartation of the Holy Spirit. 
that if we're to be effective witnesses in the world around us, the greatest attribute you can have in your life is joy because it's foundational. We shared last week too that to get joy in your life is getting in the presence of God. The only way you're going to get filled with joy is getting in the presence of God. We do that through prayer. We do that through worship. We do that through uh, communing with other saints, fellowshipping together. And so again, this is what Paul is sharing. And so I wanna bring us to Philippians chapter two. The beginning of Philippians chapter two, Paul is, um, he's uh, meditating on the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. And then he gets very practical now of how you're to shine brightly, how this is to be fleshed out in our worlds. Look what it says in verse 12. Paul says, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. It says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. This is a key scripture here. King James Version would say, um, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. But look what it goes on to say is it's telling us to work out our salvation. It says, obeying God with deep reverence, with honor, with fear. Reverence, honor, the same thing in fear. Verse 13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire, and he's giving you the power to do what pleases him. That should be a place where you pause and you just step back when you read that and you thank God that he is doing a work in all of us. It may look differently, but God is on the move in your life giving you the ability, giving you the empowerment to do what pleases him. Verse 14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. So it's talking about the example, your life, your actions, your witness. It matters what you do. It says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. And as you do this, it says, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This really is a prophetic word from Paul where he's speaking of a time, yes, then, but also now where the world is gonna be so broken. It's gonna be crooked. It's gonna be perverse. There's gonna be mass slaughter of Christians all over the world. There's gonna be uh, uh, agendas that are gonna try to rob uh, Christian beliefs. There's gonna be things that take place in this world that are crooked, that are not motivated by God's love, but are motivated by the works of the devil. So he's setting up, there is, there is a problem and now you as the church, I'm setting you up to now be the solution, to be the change, to be the healing. Look what it says. It says, hold firmly. As you're doing this, it gets practical. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on, that, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Show of hands, who does not want to get to the end of your life and run the race in vain? then you need to take heed to what Paul is saying here as I am. But he says, but I will rejoice. And this is where Paul just seems crazy because he rejoices in his suffering. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God and I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Again, he's encouraging us to choose joy in every circumstance, in every situation. Joy is beyond a feeling. Joy is beyond an emotion. It's a choice. And so I wanna take a minute, and I want to just illustrate something to you, and 
This is a great practical way you can share the gospel. We're going to do a little video of this and put it together uh, where you can take it and watch it and learn it yourself. But this is really called the gospel of three circles. And it's a great practical way when uh, you're in a moment and you're witnessing, you can display and show the story of the gospel with someone. But I'm going to move this out of the way so everyone can see here. But as we shared that there's a problem, and Paul talked about this, that there's a crooked and perverse generation that is outside of the ways of God. And so when you look at brokenness, brokenness always has a story. All of us have been in a place of brokenness. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're in a place of brokenness currently. We're all dealing with the brokenness and the sickness and the disease that sin wants to bring into our lives. And so when you see brokenness, what we do and what the world does outside of Christ is instead of, of allowing the gospel to change them and to heal them, what brokenness does, because it, ha- it, it, it has a longing to be, no one wants to live in brokenness, no one is comfortable in brokenness. So it's as though they try to break away from the brokenness that's in them and find a solution. But as they break away, for example, maybe that breakaway, maybe what they think is going to heal their brokenness is to self-medicate. Maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, you name it. They, want, they can't stand their brokenness, their reality, so it's as though they try to break away and find a solution, but not realizing that as they're breaking away, it's as though this is a bungee cord that only gets you so far, and then it snaps you back into a place of brokenness. And really, if you've experienced this before, when it snaps you in, not only are you broken, but you're even more broken than you were before because of what you just went through to try to heal it. And we continue doing the same thing. It's the same cycle. You name it, you put, uh, you put the label to it. Maybe it's an unhealthy sexual relationship. Maybe it's sex out of God's design. Maybe it's a homosexual attraction. Maybe it's an adulterous affair. Anything that is outside of God's design for relationships, we try to fill it, fill it with friends and relationships to try to numb the brokenness that's in us. Maybe it's the pursuit of the American dream that we believe that money, fame, fortune, monetary things are gonna fill the void and the need that's in our life. And so again, the cycle can, conti- can continue to go of what we do is humanity to try to mend the brokenness Mend the sickness, mend the disease that Jesus talks about of the interior life that's within us and needs to be healed. Now, here's the good thing. Here's where it gets good. As we're in this place of brokenness, i switch markers here. As we're in this place of brokenness, we have to understand how this came about. Because God's heart is to, for us to be in God's perfect design. When we're in God's perfect design, that's where we experience heaven. That's where we experience the kingdom. But here's what we do. As we learned in our Easter Sunday service, God doesn't run from us. God is constantly pursuing us. He's after us. He's chasing us. He wants relationship with us. No matter the shame, no matter the guilt, no matter the sin that we've done, God is constantly pursuing us. But here's what we do. We're the ones that turn from God. So that's where sin comes into the picture. And as we sin, the end result is always brokenness. 
you can't see, it's a little stick figure, and he is running toward that brokenness. There we go. I have the handwriting of about a fifth grader, so y'all be patient with me. But as, he's, as we sin, we escape into a place of brokenness, and we leave God's perfect design. And then again, the cycle keeps playing of where we try to heal brokenness in and of ourselves. But as believers, we know that we cannot heal brokenness in and of ourselves, right? That there's something much deeper at stake. There's something much bigger than us. And so you see these two points here. In order for the position to begin of turning to Jesus, as we talked about on Easter Sunday, is one we have to turn, or in other words, we have to repent. And number two is trust or believe. That that is the first step of when we realize, oh my gosh, Jesus, this is the good news. This is the gospel. This is his provision. This is his healing. This is his lordship of my life. But see, before we again ever make the decision to turn to God, we know that because of what happened over 2,000 years ago on the cross is that God came down to us through Jesus, that Jesus is immutable. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God is perfectly revealed in Jesus. So if you want to know what God's perfect plan is, you read the gospels, you read the good news, the epistles that we have in the word of God to see who Jesus is and what his plan of redemption, what his plan of restoration to get us back to here. And so God comes down through Jesus and then makes a way to get to our brokenness. And so what we see then, a path is created because Jesus comes to us. He's always coming after us. Then what is our response again? It's to turn and it's to trust. And as we turn and as we trust and we make Jesus king of our lives, then we come over here, and this is really where I want to camp out because this is many times where we're at and where we find ourselves and really where we need um, wisdom and understanding is when we come here and we're on the path of Jesus healing our brokenness, the gospel having its effects, being filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit and getting back to the kingdom that God desired, not in the kingdom of brokenness and the kingdom of the enemy, is this is what takes place, is growth and maturity. That in this path, back to what God's intentional plan was for us, growth and maturity begins to take place. Now here's the amazing thing about growth and maturity. It's usually never fun. You know, when you think about the presence of God, I think a key factor we forget of what actually the presence of God does when we're in it is it begins to get up all in our business. It even begins to irritate your flesh because there are things when you're in the presence of God, some things have to die. Things like anger, things like envy, pride, selfishness. When you're in the presence of God and this growth and this maturity is taking place as the gospel is healing you, as the gospel is liberating you, setting you free, redeeming you of the interior life that is broken, then growth and maturity begins to take place. And again, that happens 
when you're in the presence of God. That happens through fleshing out what the Bible says. Kenny, if you would put up our scripture in James chapter three, I love what this says is we're in this growth and maturity process. James chapter three in the message version, it just says it so bluntly and says it so well. It says, do you want to be counted wise? Everyone would say what? Yes, we wanna be wise. He says, do you want to build a reputation for wisdom? Do you wanna be known for wisdom? Yes. Here's what you do. It says, live well and live wisely. Live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. If I can insert this, if you're going to unleash the gospel, you cannot say one thing in church and then live differently when you leave here. Christianity is not a weakened thing. Christianity is a lifestyle. Verse 14 says, mean-spirited ambition is not wisdom. It goes on to confront the worldly wisdom, the way that we think wisdom is. It says, boasting that you are wise is not wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise is not wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning. It's conniving. Verse 16. It says, when, whenever you're trying to look better than others, you're protecting this image you want to be portray- portrayed. It says, or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at each other's throats. It says real wisdom. Everybody say real wisdom. This is the place where we want to be. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and it is reasonable. I love this right here. It's overflowing with mercy and with blessings. It's not hot one day and cold the next. Wisdom is not bipolar. It's not two-faced. It says you can develop a healthy, robust community. So imagine if we're all living in this, we're operating in this as a body. It says there's gonna be this manifestation, this, this fleshing out of a robust community that lives right with God. Imagine if you begin walking in wisdom in your workplace and you begin to see this take place. It starts with you. Look what it goes on to say. It says, and you'll enjoy its results only if you do the hard work. So as we're in this growth and in this maturity, that is the hard work that we're to do. That is the working out of our salvation that Paul talks about in Philippians 2. Because we understand salvation as we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. That salvation is this lifelong process of being in communion, of being in grace, of trusting God, of picking up our cross each and every day and destroying the works of the devil in us and in the world around us. So growth and maturity. John chapter five, Kenny, if you would put it up. It talks about a great gospel story that has really been speaking to me about the man at the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus asked this question to this man who's been paralyzed, who's had this ailment for 38 years. Now put yourself in this picture. Imagine you've had a disease. Imagine you've had an ailment. Imagine a mental disorder, you name it, that you've had for 38 years. You're gonna learn to be comfortable in it. You're gonna learn how to operate in it. You're gonna learn of what your limits are just to live life, practically speaking. But what we see here is that it's this man at the pool of Bethesda who's sitting, the, 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 the tale will tell as you read the story that every once in a while an angel would come down and would begin to stir the waters of this pool. 
And whoever could be the first into the pool would be healed of whatever disease, whatever sickness they had. So this pool would be surrounded by hundreds, if not thousands of people sick with disease, having hope in this pool that they would be healed. So what we see Jesus show up on the scene and he confronts this man in John chapter five, verse six. Look what he says. He says, do you want to be made well? Other translations say, do you want to be healed? I believe this is what echoes into our lives today and what echoes through the gospel that Jesus asks us today and he's gonna ask you this tomorrow and he's gonna ask you the next week. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Yes, physically, but even to a deeper degree, do you want to be healed spiritually? Do you want to be healed emotionally? Do you want to be healed relationally? You name it, do you need healing? And the answer would be yes. Our flesh, when it's, again, in the presence of God in this growth and in this maturity phase as we're learning how to walk in wisdom, as we're growing in the things of God, the charisms of the Holy Spirit are being stirred within us, stirring up who we are intended to be. We're not blaming our personality anymore. We're not blaming situations because as you go to the next scripture, look what he says. He doesn't say, yes, I wanna be healed. He throws an excuse out. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me in the pool. Excuse. When the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. If you study into this, you would see that, one, the man has completely lost hope that he would even ever be healed. Again, he's had this disease for 38 years. So he had completely lost hope. But look what the next scripture says, because Jesus is bigger than our excuses. Jesus is bigger than what we throw out. Jesus is bigger than any situation, any circumstance. He says, okay, yeah, that's great. Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus commands him. Next scripture, look what happens. And immediately, so Jesus, as he would speak in faith, something would begin to stir as it did in the man. And it says, and immediately, okay, he believed what Jesus said. The man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And if you go on to read, there's this big controversy because Jesus healed on the Sabbath and the Pharisees confront him. As you usually see, right when Jesus does a miracle, a religious spirit is always quick to step in and to try to steal what God is doing. Because here's the thing, sharing the gospel is messy. People can be messy at times when you're bringing your stuff to God and a religious spirit always wants to judge somebody. But when you're operating in the gospel, when you're operating in the love of God and the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of the world, you're not judging. You're overflowing in mercy saying, you need to get to Jesus. This is who Jesus is. He will heal you. He will set you free. But don't lose heart because when a dry season comes, that is an opportunity where God will grow you. That's an opportunity where God will mature you. That's an opportunity for you to rejoice even when you don't want to rejoice. And as you rejoice, joy will well up in you and you'll see God do a work in your life. I'm telling you, this is the path and the cycle we see so many times. The gospel is not complicated. It's a simple gospel. But it's one where many times you have to turn off this and turn up this, turn up your heart and lean into what Jesus has said and what he's doing. And so in this growth, in this maturity, and what I really want you to see as well of when you think back when you first received salvation or when you think back when maybe a place in your life God began to set you free of an offense 
or of bitterness or God began to really take you down this path to change your parenting style, to bring healing to that, whatever it is. Just like the man at the pool of Bethesda, when he's in this growth and this maturity, what happened is this word known as groundlessness or living on the edge. When, you're, when he was instantly healed, now he has to begin to learn. Again, the, his soul was healed, but now the humanity, the people side of him, has to learn how to walk in the healing. And that's where the church comes in place. That's where right theology comes in place to teach us now how to walk in the miracle how to be prepared for it, what it looks like, what this new life in Christ takes place. Because many times Christians, they have this view of salvation as it's a ticket, it's fire insurance. I got my path, I'm good. But this never takes place. And you walk around your entire life depressed, defeated, not victorious, because growth and maturity has never taken place in your life. I'm telling you, don't be afraid of this path. Don't be afraid of this area. Christianity, its symbol is a cross. What is a cross? We can't forget this path because we'll never experience the crushing because the anointing comes when the crushing happens. If you need anointing and want anointing in your life for God's work, there has to be a crushing. And it's not just a crushing for the sake of crushing. It's a crushing of your flesh. It's a crushing of the, the vices and the desires and the, the flesh that leads to death. Because Paul's heart was always this, more of you and less of me. And there has to be a crushing that takes place to get the world out of us so God can fill, himself, fill us with himself. Now here's what's amazing is this doesn't just stay here. So you've been tested. You've been in your mess and now you have this message. Here's where we begin to unleash the gospel is he then takes us as we're living in God's design, as the gospel is having its work in our lives, as he then takes us and he says, go. I'm sending you now as an agent. I'm sending you as a conduit. I'm sending you to go back into brokenness, the, a broken world, and bring the healing power of Jesus, to bring the demonstrative power of God into a broken world. So this is as we're unleashing the gospel, we can't keep it to ourselves. There's something powerful when you understand that we are then to go. God usually cleans us up and does a work in us, but he just doesn't leave us there. He then pushes us out of our comfort zone and says, now you have to go. You have to go. There is change on the other side of what's inside of you. Because here's what, when you talk about changing the world, we want to change the world. Our vision here at our school is preparing the next generation to be world changers. The way that God changes the world through you is he brings what's inside of you out so that it can affect the outside world. You have everything you need inside of you you just have to allow the charisms, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be stirred in you to get them out of you. That's why Paul was encouraging the thing that was trapping them and keeping them bound was that they were not fearless and they were not courageous. When they saw Paul in chains, it put this fear in them that, well, if Paul's being persecuted, are we gonna be persecuted? And I, I don't know, I didn't sign up for this. And so as you begin to go, expect persecution Expect hard days. Expect what in the world am I doing? Expect you trusting the Holy Spirit. But it's as you go, you experience the most of who God is. You see his power, not yours. You see his supernatural work, not what you think you can do in the natural. He expands himself inside of you. 
It's amazing what takes place. And then as brokenness tends to, ha- tends to happen, you then have a witness where, yeah, I remember a time in my life when I medicated myself and I thought that was the answer. But then I met Jesus and everything changed and my whole world changed and I was filled with the joy of the Lord, the fruits of the Spirit. You need to know about them that you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be messed up. You don't have to stay broken. There is an answer and he is Jesus and he wants to be Lord of your life. I'm telling you, this is the gospel and this is, he wants to empower us to unleash it and to bring it. We're gonna talk in the next few weeks of the Holy Spirit's role in evangelization and believing for a greater fire, believing for something deep to happen within us to empower us to go. Bree, if you would come and help me close, I wanna leave you with this story of just how practically uh, God works and how he wants to use you right where you're at in the situation you're in to share the gospel. You know, as I've shared before, many of you know, I do contracting work on the side, a lot of junk removal, and have the privilege of going into people's home and helping them clean up their mess, helping them clean up their junk, and just that in general. See, the thing is, I usually don't say off the bat, hey, I'm pastor of Gathering Place Church. Can I clean your junk up? So I kind of go in and use this as an opportunity to get an in and build a relationship, and then if we get there in our relationship, I'll share it. But there's something about when you say you're a pastor, it's like everything you know, you kind of lose something. And so there was this lady about six months ago. Her name's Jeanette. She lives in Union. And um, I had done some work for her three separate times. So going over to her house, helping her out, getting some of her messes cleaned up. And I could just tell there was an anxiety that was with her. Because see, when you're open to the Holy Spirit, God will show you. He'll give you a word of knowledge. It's not God giving words of knowledge or words of wisdom isn't this big like cloud of heaven showing up and him depositing and speaking an audible voice. Many times he'll just say, hey, she's struggling with anxiety. You need to step out and pray. And so I felt to step out and to just simply ask her the second time we were there. And I asked her, you know, are you, are you okay? Is there anxiety in your life? I see you're raising your grandkids. She had mentioned, how's that going? And when I mentioned her grandkids, raising her grandkids, she just began to open up. Again, when you just ask a question, the Holy Spirit has a way. If you just listen, you'll begin to pick up on things and see an opportunity to minister. I'll make a long story short, she began sharing about the custody battle her daughter and her son-in-law's in. And I shared with her that, well, by the way, I'm a pastor. She's like, no way. And I usually try to take... Uh, I usually try to take the messages that were preached prior and Pastor Webb had preached a word on victory the week before. So usually with what God is dealing with me or with Pastor Webb, Pastor Joyce, I'll try to take that in the middle of the week and say, God, use this word to bless somebody. And so I began sharing that she has victory and I actually took the message that was on YouTube and sent it to her and she watched it. And I told her about our school because she's struggling what to do with her grandkids. And so sometimes you ever feel you, you share and you plant a seed, but then you never see anything really take place with it. That's kind of how I felt left. It was great God did, but I was hoping to see her in church. I was hoping that maybe she would send her kids to school. But it was about three months later, we did an open house here at church uh, for the school. And it was for kindergarten. He, she has a kindergartner. And guess who I saw walk through the door at the open house? 
It was Jeanette. And her daughter was with her, her grandson was with her, and you could tell they were just really like, this is what we want for our, our, grand, our grandson, our, our granddaughter. And so she came right after the meeting. She went right downstairs, enrolled her granddaughter, and was just so full of joy for the connection that took place. And she's like, I never thought the junk guy that all this would have come from that. I'm telling you, when you just step out and trust God, the same as my dad has stories to tell with you, is he does waterproofing contracting. He'll be sitting in someone's basement with concrete all over him and, and tar on him, and he'll just begin to open up and ask questions, and they'll be shocked of saying, yeah, this is going on in my life, and my dad will take that approach and say, well, can I pray with you, or hey, come to church on Sunday. And so it's just taking where you're at and bringing the gospel into it. That's as simple as it is, and just let God show up and do what he does best. So again, I pray that you just take this to heart and that you would allow the gospel to be unleashed in your life. I also want to share too, I think about Don, Trish, and Noah and the miracle that you guys have been a part of and how months ago they got together as a family and they prayed. Noah, you were getting rid of your car and... They had laid, God had laid on their heart that they wanted to give it to the church just to be a blessing. That they said, you know, in the right time, in the right season, we're going to trust God that we want to be a blessing to the church or blessing to a family. So that was several months ago and the car has sat here and as a church, we've just been praying and waiting and saying, God, whoever you have this car for, that's who we want it to go toward. So, so much prayer has gone around this. And then I see a Facebook post from you, Ashley, uh, several days ago that Darren Ashley had wrecked both their cars. So imagine you wrecking both your cars. You can't get to work. I'm sure you're trusting other people for a car. And so seeing that opportunity open up, and I text uh, Don and Trish and said, hey, here's a situation. And they said, Trisha, you text Maggie, said, that's awesome. Let's go for it. And so how months ago, a miracle was already in the works where they were just trusting what God was laying on their heart then and then seeing the situation, a place of brokenness, because I don't care who you are, we all are in a place of brokenness and sometime in our lives. And for you guys, you were in that place of brokenness and how a miracle took place. We knew right off the bat that the car was supposed to be for you guys and how this Sunday they're gonna be going home with a car because of them trusting in God. And even you heard in the first service a little of what Sister Kim shared about you just trusting God and, and being faithful and believing in his words and in his promises. And so we're excited for you guys that this is an answer to prayer. And I'm telling you, the goodness of God will always show up at just the right time. He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time. So we love you guys and we're excited for the miracle that took place there. That's yeah, awesome. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want you to pray. I want to pray for you. And I just want to pray for the stirring of the Holy Spirit. I want to pray that the gospel would be unleashed in your life. The gospel would be unleashed in our lives corporately as a church. That as we're in this campaign, as we're believing for the future of Zion Christian Academy, many of you have stepped out in faith. You've planted seed. We've raised a little over $55,000 for this campaign. So that's you being generous, that's you stepping out, that you're connecting your seed because here's the thing, this is not about a building. 
This is about souls. This is about our children. This is about the next generation that you are investing into. So I want you to lift your hands right now. I want to pray this blessing over you. Father, I pray that the gospel would be unleashed in our lives. Father, I thank you in advance for what you've done, for what you're going to do. Let us be encouraged this morning that a miracle can meet us when we least expect it. God, that you are always on the move. God, I pray that you would begin to stir us so then we can go and bring the gospel, bring healing to a broken world, bring healing to a sick world, bring healing to disease physically, spiritually, mentally, socially, financially. Our world needs a touch of God. Father, we pray you empower us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that when the apostles followed Jesus, that signs, wonders, and miracles followed. God, I pray that signs, wonders, and miracles would follow our witness. God, we are expectant for what you're going to do. We honor you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Well, you can be seated for just a moment. Pastor Joyce, if you would come. I want to encourage everyone, if you can make it out to Renewal Night this Wednesday, Pastor Joyce is going to be ministering and praying. And there's something powerful as she does on the first Wednesday of every month with Renewal. There's an impartation that takes place through the laying on of hands. There's something powerful that these months that God is stirring in you for this time, for this season, for our church. So I just want to encourage you, if you can, make it out Wednesday at 7. Yes. But Pastor Joyce, lead us in our giving and share a little bit about it. Thank you. I thought that was so good today. The word of God is in unleashing the gospel, unleashing the truth of what God says in his word, releasing Jesus in you. And I think that's just so, it's exciting. And you know, giving is exciting because there's joy. There's joy in the Lord and giving. And just like... uh, with that family that gave to this family, there was a joy in that, that God, there was a need. And so as he increases our giving, as he increases our knowledge, that we take hold of that joy. And, and he says, just watch what I will do. If you just trust me, that I will pour out a blessing on you that, that you can't contain. And honestly, it's, it's so much of all God's joy. So there's, uh, he wants to be the Lord of your finances. If we want him Lord of every area of our life, we want him Lord of our finances and to walk in that truth because all of his promises are yes and amen. So take the joy of giving and realize what you give today is building in the kingdom. Just like with the, the young people and the school and the church and all of this is a result of our giving into the kingdom. And I know without a doubt how faithful our church is in being good stewards, that your money goes toward the kingdom, that there be blessing in this house, food in this house, spiritual food, which you got a good taste of it today. It's so good. So if the ushers will come, and he loves a cheerful giver. Are you all cheerful givers today? I think he must have knew that we would be tight in our pockets. For him to touch that and to learn to put him first, that's one of the best places ever is in our money. So, Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the 
the word of God for feeding us today, that you're blessing us in every area of our life. You're breaking poverty. You're breaking all of those, that selfishness and all those things that we are broken in in so many areas of our life. So we just ask you today, Father, as you bless those that give into your kingdom, Father, for all the wonderful blessings that we can come in a wonderful house filled with joy. God, bless those that give today and increase them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And remember, you can't outgive God. And I look forward to Wednesday night to your coming and uh, let God impart into your life because I really feel like that month by month he's giving to me just goes right along with what Pastor Garrett is preaching, impartation, the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. God is so good, and he knows what we need and when we need it. In Jesus' name, amen.